Hi, my name's Larry, and activism is something that I gradually grew into. For most of my career, I was a software developer, but there was a period before that where I was a biochemist. So I was largely uninterested in social activism and political activism. But I, I remember when I was a child, I'm, I'm an old guy, so when I was a child, we used to have newsreels in the movies. And I remember there was one particular newsreel where it showed five Quakers standing outside the Pentagon protesting uh, the military-industrial complex. And my, my first reaction was, oh, you can do that? And my second reaction was, oh, they seem like such nice people. I'd like to do things like that. So even as a child, I was interested. But as I said, most of my energy was, didn't go that way, and actually until I retired. When I retired, I, I didn't, then had energy and time available to, to pursue these interests. And probably the, the most significant thing I did in that direction that kind of confirmed that, oh yeah, I'm interested in this stuff, is that I went to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2016 to campaign for the Democrats there because I knew that if Trump was elected and I didn't do something like that, I would feel terrible afterwards. And that's a large part of my motivation is if I don't keep continue to be active and do what I can within reason, I mean, I don't want to wear myself out. My first priority is to take care of myself. But if I don't do what I can to push back on phenomena like Trump, then I'm going to feel horrible, and I'm going to I'm going to feel alienated. I'm going to and I'm going to use numbness as a way of uh, of coping with it, and I'm going to get into a, I probably will be depressed and uh, end up uh, probably with agoraphobia or some other neurosis. And so I'm doing this largely for my own mental health, but I'm doing it without any expectations as to the outcome, because my goal is to just keep doing the next right thing. And one day it might be uh, driving uh, an undocumented immigrant to San Antonio to be check in with ICE. Uh, the next day it might be canvassing for Julie Oliver in the 25th district. That I'm in. I'm in Congressional District 25 in Texas, so, so every day there's a new leading as to what I should be doing. Now, I, I also have strategies, like uh, my strategy for the next election is to knock on 2,020 doors. In the, the last election, in 2018, I knocked on 1,727 doors, so I think I can do it with just, by just a little more energy. And the thing is, it's not drudgery. You know, I'm doing this for my mental health and my spiritual health, but it's not drudgery. I get to meet all sorts of really interesting people when I knock on doors or when I come to things like laugh where I am now. Uh, not only interesting, but vital people. People who are, are filled with joy. Uh, I have experienced so much enthusiasm when, when I, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I knocked on some doors for Julie. And uh, people were so enthusiastic about the coming election. And uh, that was so gratifying to be able to facilitate their enthusiasm. I also, I also am an advocate. Uh, I'm part of the ad local ad advocacy group for the Friends Committee on National Legislation. And they taught me how to lobby congresspeople. And the three big things you need to do when lobbying a congressperson is to tell a personal story, appeal to common values, and give them choices. 
if you can do that, you're, you are very likely to have them be persuaded, if they're persuadable. And I don't recommend that you lobby people who are not persuadable. It's the persuadables that I recommend that you, you lobby. Uh, and then you can also, people who are like-minded already, you can encourage them. But that's a different kind of lobbying. So I've gone to Washington uh, two years in succession in November, and I'll be going again this November to, to lobby uh, the Congress people from Texas. And they are more or less persuadable. Their staff, for one thing, seems to be more persuadable than the Congress people themselves. So that's gratifying. And, and I've developed a relationship with people who I used to, you know, because I hadn't met them, I thought they had horns, that they were devils, you know. But, but now I realize, hey, they're really nice people who work for, well, except for Ted Cruz's staff. Uh, but but uh, Corn's staff and uh, Williamson's, uh, Williams, he's my congressman now, is, uh, but maybe not after next year. His staff, they're very nice people. And I have enjoyed getting to know them and forming relationships with them. And I think it will come in handy, this bond that I have formed with uh, one of the staff members with Williams' office when I go this coming November, because we have a, a really trivial ask this time. It's uh, just a pittance. And we're going to ask them to rescind the authorization for use of military force in Iraq. Well, why not? And so I think we may make some progress. I did, did have one success with his office earlier, about two years ago, when uh, we, were, we were trying to get the bill to audit the Pentagon pass. I, I went to the local uh, office, and there was just one young guy there, and I don't think he heard us. He, he, so we decided we would go to talk to the military liaison in Cleburne. Now that is a long drive, but it also got me to, it allowed me to know more about the district, going through all those small towns that are dying, and uh, the people there must be suffering quite a bit. They hadn't heard of the Pentagon bill, but I told them about it, and I used those three principles of lobbying, and two weeks later when I called, they said, well, you know, the congressman hadn't heard about this, uh, this bill, but uh, he's going to vote for it. So I had that one success. So... You, you never know what effect you can have if you do something small like driving to Cleburne.